everyone and welcome back to another episode of CUP Moments. As always, I'm your host, the Coupon Queen Pen. Guys, I have a returning guest. You know him as Pete Perkins Heard of the Trep Life Podcast, but we've got something interesting to talk about. So let's take a moment out and we'll be right back. So guys, like I was saying, I have Pete Perkins heard and you know, I talked about bringing him back because I always have to bring him back, but we're going to get into something really, really good because we, even though those of you that listen to the Trep Life podcast may know this already, but for some of my listeners, you may not know that Pete Perkins heard is a sickle cell warrior. So, and of course, we've got to celebrate Sickle Cell Awareness Month. So, Pete, let's talk about it. Well, thank you for having me back on this platform. Everyone knows, if you don't know, what CQP Moments means to me, um, just as a podcaster and as an individual. And I'm just so thankful for the friendship that I've cultivated with uh, Coupon Queen Pen here over the years. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, listen, I, I value our friendship as well. I value our friendship as well. And yes, for those that don't know, yes, we do talk behind the scenes. So we talk, we're, <laughs> we're like friends in real life. <laughs> yes, so we do talk behind the scenes a lot, a lot, a lot. So, oh my gosh. So let's get into this. Okay, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, when were you first diagnosed? So I was actually born in uh, Orange County, California, California, Garden Grove, uh, May 12, 1992. So don't try to scam me, you know, and put it all in my social security information. I'm just giving you all some background here. But um, in California, they actually screen at birth. It's a It was a oh, prerequisite wow. at that time. And most states uh, do. Um, but there, there's, there's still some states that don't, and, it, and it, it kind of depends. But yeah, that's part of the uh, just standard uh, pre-screening process for all newborns in California. Yeah, well, you know, and, and, and let's be real. This is not something that was originally done. Um, so, you know, I don't want somebody saying like, well, when I had my baby like 50 years ago, they didn't do that. Like things change the same yeah. way that technology changes, the medical field changes. So there are screenings, there are tests that are done now that weren't done before. Right. And that now you can kind of, um, you know, now that you can do genetic testing prior to actually even cultivating um, the child or, you know, continuing a, a, a pregnancy. So there's a lot of, um, you know, different resources and options. And um, a recent conversation I had, which I I think is a great suggestion is um, people, because a lot of times with sickle cell trait, and that's kind of how it's, uh, the disease is um, not spread, but given and inherited. Uh, I would, the, the thing is, a lot of people don't remember that they have sickle cell trait, because a lot of times, 
it may be more benign like it just might be something that you have like right you know like when the right. doctor says like okay you have like a heart murmur but nothing's ever come of it you don't have any heart troubles you're able to have full activity you just kind of don't right think about and it. I think I think that's the thing is that here is the one thing and maybe you can kind of you know go in on this a little bit more it's kind of like when doctors say okay there's a trait there they they themselves don't take it seriously right so it's kind of like well you don't have the condition per se but you have a trait and then it's kind of like then they want to move on so it, it doesn't get taken and I will say this to all the doctors that are listening if you have patients that have a trait of something a condition a genetic condition that could even be passed on to their children or whatever please like be a little bit more serious about it because it's just one of those things of if you tell me you know it's like kind of like you know well go to the store and buy potato chips the person's just gonna go to the store and buy potato chips they're not thinking hey you know what this is something that could be potentially more serious you know, and, and, and I know you may not want the person to, you're not trying to scare the people. We're not trying to fear monger. The thing is like, but do more than, you know, give it a once over that. I I guess that's really what I'm saying. Yeah. I I think um, monitoring is important. And just so that people are more uh, cognizant of their health condition and their uh, I don't like to use the term status, but um, just kind of their overall health and what's going on with them. What, right. What and, are some and, potential? Yeah. And especially there. with genetics, especially with genetics. Yeah. Because the thing is, you don't want something that like it may have, like you said, it may be benign in you, but now it passes on to your children or to your grandchildren. So, um, you know. That's that's the one thing is that it passes on to the grands, you know, because I, I think, how can I put it? It's one of those things of, you know, you, we look at it when, as far as our kids, but sometimes we don't think of even our grandkids or right. possibly a niece or a nephew. And it's like, you know, because we think, okay, well, niece or nephew is far removed, but we've even seen with things like bipolar or schizophrenia where in other words it's not necessarily the mother or the father that has it but they have a sibling exactly or great or or the the grandfather the grandmother it's in the genetics somewhere it's it's in in the the bloodline somewhere so it's like you you're, you're not looking for it but be real be be real about it so um, I'm definitely a proponent of uh, transitional screening. So like when you become, when you transition from pediatrics to, um, you know, an adult doctor, uh, just your regular uh, kind of standard internist, I, I think a, you know, just a screening, just a thorough review of everything. And so that you just have a better understanding of your medical history, because it's not just something that like maybe the doctors told your parents when you were like five or six and you never really had to deal with it, but just so that you can know when you're making decisions and, you know, most pregnancies actually happen by accident. So 
with that being said, you kind of need to know what you're doing. And, you know, this is another topic, but I'm always an advocate of safe sex. So you should be, you know, kind of wearing condoms and doing that whole thing. But um, at least when you're out here and you're, you're dealing with people, you can ask them, hey, this is my genetic makeup. What are your what is your genetic makeup? And then hopefully they know, too. But a lot of people just don't. So just raising right. the overall right. conscious and education of individuals, I think, is a big deal. And another thing, ladies, which I didn't know until I had my son, there are, and I'm not sure if you are aware of this, there are things that happen genetically with us when we are pregnant that will correct themselves temporarily just so that we have, we can have a healthy baby. So there are conditions you may have that seem like they go away while you're pregnant, but then seem to come back after you've given like a few months after you've given birth. And it's like, wait, what the heck happened? But it's actually your body's way of protecting your baby. And, and they know it happens. So if you have something like a heart murmur, all of a sudden a heart murmur will seem like it's gone away and it's not necessarily gone away, but it will show back up like two to three months after you give birth. So you have to be prepared for something like that. You know, those are things that you key things that you have to look for. So let's get back into, you know, you and 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 after your diagnosis was this something that was like a quick where you know we know you were screened but mm-hmm. was this something that they started working on right away or you know what so um i was hospitalized kind of early on i think i was hospitalized like around december um, when I was a baby. Um, but really, my story, my sickle cell story, I think the true origin of it would be with my mother. So okay. upon learning about uh, my diagnosis, you know, she took it upon herself in 1992. So before AOL, before the internet really exploded, to fully immerse herself on sickle cell disease. And I'm wow, that's awesome. That That is my mother is anybody's leading expert on sickle cell. So, um, and she's continues to be an advocate uh, for uh, my sister and myself, uh, as well as right. Because I was going to mention that your your sister also has sickle cell, correct? Yeah. Yes. Wow. It started with us, but it's um, become so much bigger than you know, just us as a family and um, the work that uh, we're trying to kind of consolidate and get off the ground with uh, Sickle Cell Cares, which is our uh, family nonprofit for Sickle Cell. Oh, so you guys have started a, you know, you started a foundation. Yeah, we've had it for a while, um, you know, just kind of like ups and downs, like having the time to put in and it's the sickle cell. It's a very um, interesting community. Um, so currently, I my mother is the CEO uh, and founder, and I'm the COO, and my sister is the chief marketing officer, the CMO. So um, 
just trying to be a, a right hand to my mom and use some of my uh, business experiences to um, help not just transform um, our nonprofit, but change the whole spectrum of the space as well with when it concerns sickle cell. Um, I think it's very, um, it's a it's a very, like I said, interesting space. It seems like there's just not a lot of expertise in the space right now where things are done. I think people's hearts are in the right place. And I think some people's hearts actually aren't in the right place um, who, and people who are in certain positions. But um, I wanna focus on working with the people whose hearts are in the right place uh, to make the maximum impact. So I'm hoping to really scale in the next, next 24 months to really scale the, uh, the company and um, nice, nice. deliver some really tangible results that would be a momentum shift. So like our end goal is to actually open up a, a sickle cell clinic Oh, that would be awesome. That would yeah, be awesome. Treatment center. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. What we, because we've, we've mentioned it, but what exactly is sickle cell and what, because I, I, I know some people may know, some people may not know. And most people don't realize that usually it's sickle cell anemia, but it's like, people will say, well, you're just anemic, which just means you're going to be cold or, you know, but there are different forms of anemia. So what exactly is sickle cell? So going back to this, even just kind of touch on sickle cell anemia. Um, I feel like in the sickle cell community, most people just kind of prefer the term sickle cell disease. And okay. I don't know where that just for me personally, I don't know where it stems from as a group, um, but just me personally, um, the, with the anemia aspect, I, th I think it adds to confusion and, uh, you know, it kind of shows that people are probably not uh, proficient right. with the disease because um, right. there's several different kinds of sickle cell, I believe there's right. 22 different variations of sickle cell disease in total and that's not including the traits or anything like that okay and then the, there's a lot of we kind of touched on the traits before um so there is a lot of discussion about can you actually receive pain how how are the traits being affected because sickle right. cell is such right. a marginalized disease that the way that they marginalize the traits is unreal. So there's not a lot of research and study over that. And now right. and, we're and in a space yeah. where th they're covering it a little bit more. Um, right. but to get back to the question, um, so sickle cell disease is uh, a blood disorder and it affects the oxygenation um, of the cells. So the kind of easy way that I put it is the, the blood flow of the cells. So normal cells look like donuts, right? We've all seen them under the microscope. Right. Um, but sickle cell look more like crescent moons with like little spikes on them. Yeah. And that causes the, the people kind of think sickle cell and sometimes they just think pain, but there's a lot else that comes with it as well so 
it's the wear and tear just from being in pain the wear and tear on your body um right the wear and tear with the opioids um the painkillers um as well as over time your joints your organ um is it kind of okay i do have to ask this question is it kind of how they try to blanket lupus and it like lupus does affect different people differently yeah well yeah i think one all diseases are unique to the person how does this affect your particular genetic makeup right sickle cell is a very unique disease and it has to be treated very differently like even just in terms of um, pain regimen, it can differ from person to person. Um, my sister and I, you know, we have, I think, you know, your siblings are your closest people in terms of your genetic makeup, right? And her and I were, well, one, my sister and I don't really look alike, so I, maybe that adds a little bit to it, but, um, our sickle cells have manifested very differently from the other. Wow. Okay. You know, and and continue to do so. Um, So I think I was sicker when we were younger. And then she went through kind of a time where, you know, like kind of late elementary school, middle school, it was really rough for her. Um, then the high school, she, she was pretty good. And then college, I think, kind of threw her off mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, for me, I was, like I said, sick as a kid. Um, but by the time I got to high school, I was, I was very healthy. I was probably my healthiest all throughout high school. And I was pretty healthy uh, during college. And now, recently, my health has declined significantly uh in the past like really three three to four years um where you know my sister doesn't have to take uh pain meds on a regular basis um she does she happens to go to the er more than i do uh but i happen to um usually when i go to the hospital i'm staying longer and she is right now so there's just Uh, very different nuances what um even the pain medications that we're on um i'm on a completely different regimen i take hydroxyurea which is one of the really the only not only but the the main medication for uh sickle cell currently um there's there's really only four um and, and they're supposedly they're focusing on bringing out some new medications that might be out by like 2024 perhaps right okay okay there's because there's more attention in the past I would say five to seven years there's been more attention on sickle cell than there has been probably in the history of the disease um for whatever reason that I have my own theories on that um right and you know which you know I probably shared with you but maybe we don't share it with the audience we'll, right, we'll keep them out right. the loop on this one <laughs> yeah but uh so all of that to say um and then just talking with people with sickle cell it, it's it is very different um per person so right. you really just have to it forces you to know yourself and know your body right 
And, so okay, and, yeah. what can what would you tell a person? Because I know one of the things, one of the huge things that you and I have spoken about before is when a person or a parent gets that diagnosis. So how would you tell a person to start handling that? Because I think a lot of times the, 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 one of the biggest things is the big freak out, you know, and, and, and even, even what we've seen over the past year, it's always the big freak out. So how do you handle, okay, this is what I've just heard, but we have to make a plan moving forward. So I think following my mom's blueprint, and maybe that's a little biased, but I I think that's the truth. Um, I, I think you have to just research it because it, it, it's, not like other diseases there's not a lot of advocacy for it even though there's more now than there ever has been there's still not a ton of advocacy especially from the medical side of things in terms of providers now caretakers people who know someone with sickle cell they're amazing they're outstanding um and that there is a great community from that standpoint uh, so there, there's a lot of people that you could reach out to f- for support groups, um, right, you know, just right. as a caretaker. But, um, you know, shameless plug, I would say, you know, reach reach out to Sickle Cell Cares. Um, you know, the three of us would more than happy to kind of help and counsel you on that journey in just the beginning stages because it is crucial. But if you really just right. immerse yourself in the education process, I think that's the first step. And then knowing... And and then start just monitoring your patterns and seeing what your triggers are. Once you're able to get your triggers under control, um, you're able to really bring a lot of functionality and start game planning for your life. Right, right. Getting control, getting a handle on things. Uh, So for me, you know, I'm always making sure that I'm hydrated. Dehydration was a big uh, trigger for me, so I'm never dehydrated um extensive heat was a is a thing for me you know um the certain temperatures in the pools that's why i'm very careful about that um being out in the cold that's why even though i like uh snowboarding and playing in the snow i know that's just not for me right so in other words like you're saying get to know get to know your body get to know your body your triggers get to know what's going to set you off, what's not going to set you off, you know, and, and doing real research. And the reason I say real research is because guys, we can, we're, let's be real. We we're in a day and age where we can Google anything. And sometimes the information is not truthful. So doing the real research, checking with more than one source, and like, even like you said, you know, calling a foundation like your own where people can talk to you, they've been through it, they can tell you, hey, you know, it, it is a real possibility, you know, this is not something that I may be going through, but this is something you can talk to your doctor about, you know, just, just having that support. It, it, exactly. And I, I mean, because it's hard finding 
particularly based on where you live. Um, if you're in a smaller area, um, you know, like there, there was a time when we lived in uh, West Virginia, you know, which wasn't the best environment. We would have to go to right. Pittsburgh um, and kind of go through there for the sickle cell clinics or, um, you know, other resources. Uh, I live in Chicago currently and there's a sickle cell clinic here. But they're right, right. Even now, though there's more now than before, there's still just not a ton of right resources. It's not readily available like anywhere you go, um, where you have specialists. Even hematologists may not be sickle cell specialists. And okay, let's talk about that for a minute because I actually have another question. But let's talk about that for a minute because I think one of the things that people think is because a doctor may specialize in a certain type of medicine that they're well versed in that medicine like one of the things that you and I have spoken about is um you know massage therapists mm-hmm. all massage therapists do not know how to work with the lymphatic system right so in other words just saying you're going to get a massage doesn't necessarily work if you have a lymphatic disorder, because they can do more harm than good. So being, you know, I think one of the things that we should really make sure that people know is to definitely check on if the specialist you're going to is well-versed in the condition, because there's a difference of hey, I'm just going to a hematologist or a hematologist that specializes in sickle cell or is well-versed in sickle cell. So now they know how to handle what's going on with me. And it's, it's, um, it's a little bit complicated because you have people who, you, you have to have exposure to be well-versed in, right? And you right. have to be in an area where someone can be a great hematologist and you, they could have all the recommendations in the world and still really not know sickle cell. They're like, well, I haven't had a sickle right. cell patient in like 10 years. I, I had one when I was going through, you know, I, 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 I was going through my fellowship. I was going through my residency, whatever, you know. So, but and maybe you're in a situation, you know, through insurance providers and everything where you don't have the best sickle cell doctor not to say that they're not a great hematologist not to say that they're not a great doctor but they really don't know sickle cell so at that point it's critical that you know your body and you can say follow my lead right you have to be your own self-advocate and and you, you you even have to do that with someone who does know sickle cell very well Um, right so that's why it's very important for you to educate yourself on the disease because oftentimes when you're in the emergency rooms even when you're going to your primary you may be one of a handful of sickle cell patients that they've heard of and and that's the truth that's the real truth of it that is the real truth of it. it it's just you know knowing yourself knowing knowing what your body is going through so okay we've covered how So that's a question to ask though so that 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 would be when you're looking at for new doctors ask them how many sickle cell patients that they currently have and how many sickle cell 
what their experience with sickle cell in particular is. Get get a wow. background. How many sickle cell patients have they have they had? Um, you know, because depending on where you live, it, it definitely varies. I live out in the suburbs, so it, it's a little bit different compared to you know, people, some of the city where it's a little bit more prominent. Um, yeah, yeah. So that, so guys, make sure you are asking your doctors how many patients they have had that are like you, how, you know, in other words, that have the condition that, you know, how many are they currently? Because I think one of the things is that you pointed out is a doctor that may have had a few patients in the past, but how many do they currently have? How many are they currently treating like that? Right. So that does make a difference because again, I can't stress this enough. Medicine changes. So what they may have done in the past for a patient may not work right now. Um, so one of the questions that I did want to ask you is because you mentioned being in smaller places, being in smaller towns, do you believe that teledoc medicine is more helping with this information now and helping people to find, you know, good, reputable medical help? Well, for me personally, I haven't really had any experience at all with tele um, appointments or anything like that, telemedicine. Um, I think going forward, it should be a great resource. And I think it would be really important to implement implement that with sickle cell patients, uh, because sometimes just even commuting to go to your doctor's appointment, you may not have it in you that day. You know, that might, Mm. you might, you might be going through a recovery day on your appointments because of the unpredictable nature of the illness. Uh, So I, I think that could absolutely be beneficial and there's not necessarily a other than blood work, which is what they always want to take. Um, and, and you could do that by just going to a lab. Maybe when you're more up to it, you don't have to do it, you know, right then and there. Um, but that, that would be the only reason why you would actually physically have to go in to an appointment. Everything else, they can kind of just go over with you over the phone or through a conference call, through a Zoom, whatever. Nice, nice. So I, I think that could be beneficial. Um, I doubt that that's going to happen um, because of the uh, the prejudice, the severe discrimination, the medical disparity that goes that occurs, particularly with sickle cell patients, right. especially as a direct um, result of the opioid addiction I'm, I'm not even gonna call it um a crisis because it's not um a sickle cell crisis is a crisis um you know there we have other multiple crises going on but people who chose to become addicts that's not um a crisis and that sickle cell people the sickle cell warriors uh patients that are having to pay the price for that Agreed, agreed. So how can family and friends help support a sickle cell warrior? I would say just 
try to understand them, educate yourself on them, and more than anything, believe them. If they tell you that they're not feeling well, that means they're probably not feeling well, and they probably haven't been feeling well for a while. We, this is the quote that's kind of standing out to me because it's so true. We don't um, pretend to be in pain. We pretend to be healthy. We pretend Mm. to be well. And I know a lot of people in different illnesses can resonate with that. Invisible illnesses are, I think, extremely tough to deal with because it starts reflecting on your character and your reputation and how you interact with people. So if, you know, there's times when, you know, I I went out last night with uh, two of my uh, closest friends from high school and, you know, sometimes they've invited me out and I've had to, you know, flake last minute on them. And thankfully, you know, our relationship is that where it's not a reflection of my character. They know my character, but some people don't you know, and, right, you know, right, new experiences, right. you know, when you're just meeting people and things kind of go sideways on you, then it becomes a reflection of your character. And you're not this, you're not that, you're not trying, you're lazy, you're using it as an excuse. You know, all those negative, uh, that negative stigmatization, that wears down on someone's psyche. Yeah, it does. It does. And I, I think that's the one thing is, you know, especially now when everybody is taught to be a go-getter, run, go do hustle this. culture. Yeah, so it's which just... which I'm uh, not against. You know, that's I have the Trap Life podcast. I believe in entrepreneurship. I I love working. I love you know doing new projects. And you're the same way. You're you're out here doing things all the time. Right. So it, it's just. I think the thing is, you know, surrounding yourself with people that will say, you know what, you're, you're down today, you know, but at the same point, you know, when you're ready to go, I'm ready to run, you know, and, and that's really what it is. And, and and it's hard to find people who see that because a lot of times, you know, for me, people see me and they don't think of me as being sickly. Right. I I think that's one of the things is because we still think of things are how they look. Right. You know, they, they don't look sick. They don't look, you know, like, and it's like, well, what does sick look like? What does, you know, what exactly, what is it supposed to look like? And, and if you ask anybody, it's kind of like you know when you're when you're watching a, a a crime show and you get 20 descriptions from 20 different people so now you have to piece together what may be the common denominator between all 20 people and come up with something but things don't look how they look to another person so yeah that that's something to definitely remember because there, there's a, um, a perception element with everything. I, I hate the quote, but I understand it of perception is reality. Right, right, 
right yeah. and, and I, I think reality crazy. should be reality and people should be more careful about their perceptions yeah but going back to like what i just said in other words how many times have people said well no it was a blue car no it was a green car no green it was car, a black right. car exactly and it's like all every the only thing anybody can agree on is that it was a car car but they can't agree and, on the color now nobody knows what and, they're and looking then you might for. have somebody who's saying well actually it was a van now right or a truck or yeah it was a truck yeah, yeah. you guys are crazy it was a motorcycle so right and but um to kind of circle back the other aspect i would say to focus on to your previous question would be when you're for your children really focus on and make sure that they um the mental health dynamics because sickle cell is a very isolating disease like if you're in school and you can't go play out in the snow during winter and you can't go to the pool during summer and you start kind of creating an outcast imagery for yourself and that's not what you need to um experience so um, I went to sickle cell camps when I was a kid and they were a great experience for me I highly encourage as, as soon as they can I think the youngest camp starts at like maybe six maybe eight something like that okay would, okay um, you know, and try to get connected with some support groups so that you as a caretaker can help, you as an advocate can help, and maybe, you know, you can strike up some friendships with some people who understand what you're going through. And I think that's really what it is about, you know, how they say location, location, location. It's more about support, 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 finding people who not only understand, but people that can help you along the way. Exactly. So, Pete, it has been great having you as always. So tell people where they can find you, your foundation, your podcast, and some of the help that you're offering. So we're actually going to do a uh, full launch, new website launch now, but you can go to sicklecellcares.org. Um, you can find me at Peter St. Patrick on uh, IG. That's my main thing uh, currently. And I want to start getting social medias uh, more active for um, the Sickle Cell Cares. Uh, but currently, I'm launching a uh, Sickle Cell Cares challenge uh, for Sickle Cell Awareness Month um, just to kind of finish it out strong. So if you like to, for all of you coupon, for all of you uh, shower and karaoke fans here on uh, CQP Moments, if you like to sing, if you like to dance, you like to freestyle, you like to rap, um, if you want to share those challenges, share those gifts for the Sickle Cell Challenge, that would be great. You can just use the hashtag uh, Sickle Cell Challenge or sickle, the Sickle Cell Cares Challenge. Um, also hashtag sickle cell awareness month or uh, September is sickle cell awareness month as well thank you thank you guys of course all of his information will be in the show notes so you won't miss a thing and thank you for having me and thank you for the audience keep supporting her keep supporting this platform and uh, share it get it out there uh, 
you all know that Coupon Queen Pen is one of the best absolute podcasters in the the medium right now. So uh, we definitely want this to continue to grow and become a top 100 podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. So it has been great having you. Yeah. So might be another six months until I pop back up again. I don't think it'll be that long. So nah, I won't be that long. <laughs> Guys, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Definitely check out the foundation all of his information will be in the show notes, so you will not miss a thing. As always, guys, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and happy shopping. Hey, this is P. Perkins Heard from the Trap Live podcast, and you are listening to the CQP Moments podcast. Remember to subscribe, share, and enjoy.